My name is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about facial hair removal. Some of what I have to say may apply to, uh, you know, getting rid of hair and other parts, but I'm specifically talking about my experience with trying to get rid of my beard. Um, so we're, we're kind of getting a little bit granular, and I hope uh, you ap- appreciate that. I'm a philosophical girl, and I like to think, but also there's a lots of details about being trans and going through transition, uh, like facial hair removal, that have been uh, a huge part of the experience so far. Um, so years ago, I... Um, well, I, I'll, so let me talk for a moment about my relationship with facial hair over the years. Um, I don't recall ever wanting facial hair. I don't recall being happy that it grew. Um, I don't particularly recall being uh, super distressed about when it happened. It was more of kind of uh, an indifferent thing. Um, it just kind of, it, it was what it was. And, um, uh, I, I grew up, especially once I was going through puberty, um, I, my mother had divorced my father when I was uh, a little child, like when I was a baby. And then she divorced her second husband, which was a relief, um, when I was just prior to going through puberty. And so by the time my facial hair started to grow, um, I, you know, didn't have any training, I guess, on like how to shave or what to do or, you know, what things you need. And so my, I think that my facial hair, uh, routine was a little bit haphazard. Um, you know, I think the first time I actually moisturized my face, uh, uh, you know, thinking about shaving, like the first time I moisturized my face was uh, in my late 30s, Um, as I was starting to come out as trans, um, because for me, you know, having any kind of intentional facial care or, you know, facial skin uh, care routine uh, felt incredibly feminine to me. Um, That was my perception, was that that was a feminine activity. And, um, my, uh, secret about being trans, uh, felt so sensitive that I just could not, uh, touch those areas or else, um, you know, in terms of an experience, I, I couldn't dip my finger or dip my toe into doing something as feminine as moisturizing my face or else people would know, at least that was the, you know, the dialogue, the inner dialogue that I had, for myself. And so over the years, I, uh, I pretty much always had facial hair. Um, I just, wherever it was growing thick, I let it grow more or less. And I, I, you know, I kind of shaved, um, a little bit, uh, in between, or I had like a clippers, um, all through, um, high school and into early into college, I had, um, uh, really long sideburns that went all the way down to my, you know, the bottom of my jaw. And then I started growing a goatee because that's where the hair was growing. It wasn't growing yet on my cheeks. And then eventually 
Um, I just had a full beard. And, you know, like I said, I, I felt indifferent about the, you know, facial hair when it came. And I felt more or less indifferent about it uh, as I grew a beard. Um, except, you know, kind of like with avoiding facial hair or facial hair care routine, um, having a beard felt like uh, plausible deniability to me, if that makes any sense. Um, some trans people, have, I've heard trans people call their beards, um, or, or trans women anyway, or trans feminine people, uh, denial beards. And I, I totally resonate with that. You know, having a big bushy beard on my face, it felt like a cover. Um, it felt like a cover uh, to... Um, keep me uh safely in the closet where no one would no one would suspect um and so i guess in a lot of ways for me uh facial hair has always felt like a gendered experience um you know i know that for pro- probably you know um uh, cisgender men uh, relate to their facial hair in a wide array of ways. Um, I remember a lot of my friends kind of bemoaning the fact that they couldn't grow facial hair or they really wanted to, but they weren't able to. Um, um, I remember friends like admiring how I was able to grow facial hair and it never felt like something that I was proud of or particularly glad that they were noticing. Um, so, you know, my perception is that most of the cisgender people in my life, like, they liked the idea of facial hair. Um, it felt validating for them. Whereas for me, um, I think I mostly disassociated and kind of checked out. And it was sort of a happy cover. Um, so, um, so fast forward now to, to age 40, and I'm actively working to get facial hair removed. And, you know, it kind of leads me to, to ask the question, well, why? Why do I want to remove my facial hair? Um, you know, uh, like I said, I, I don't know if I experienced a lot of dysphoria related to uh, my facial hair over the years. Um, I suppose that, you know, in this case, perhaps my dysphoria showed up as that sense of dis- disassociation, which it sometimes does. Um but I don't know if I felt like a, a ton of distress, but I can definitely tell you that once I started um, presenting myself as a woman in the world, once I presented, started presenting myself um, as I am, as my true self, um, my relationship to my facial hair really started to shift because I think just as I thought of facial hair as being a, a gendered um, experience or a, a gendered bodily expression, I think that uh, most of our culture feels the same way. In fact, there's some, you know, really patriarchal cultures where, um, you know, men are mandated to grow out their hair and not cut it like it's a symbol of their masculinity and you know, patriarchal place in the hierarchy and, um, or hierarchical, hierarchical place in the patriarchy. Um, 
So, um, uh, you know, and if you think about like, it makes me think of like Coney Island and the freak show and the bearded lady. Um, you know, I'm working on this, uh, um, program for a local uh, church that's affirming and they're going to be using the song this is me as a part of it and if you watch the music video of this is me on youtube it's sung by you know the quote-unquote uh, bearded lady and I, I can't remember her name so you have to forgive me but you know uh, a woman with a beard culturally is something that uh uh is arresting you know, to people. And, you know, for, for some folks who are trans, you know, maybe for, for non-binary folks or, or, or for um, agender folks or for, you know, bi-gender folks, um, you know, having people react with confusion about how to categorize them is uh, affirming. It's like what they want. For, for me, I'm a woman. I've always been a woman or I was a girl for a while. Um, even though I tried to pre pretend and present myself as a boy, I was always a girl. And so for me, um, having that, um, having facial hair and having people see that and to kind of see right through me uh, is both uh, unpleasant and it's scary. Um, you know, when I first started, uh, you know, interacting in public as myself, um, it was one of the scariest things I, that I've ever done. You know, you talk about like exposure therapy or, you know, like um, exposing yourself to uh, your, your greatest fears. I mean, in a lot of ways, like I, like I talked about in one of the earlier episodes being visibly transgender, like moving through the world as a visible trans person is like letting people see uh, your most vulnerable parts just by existing. And you know, for me, facial hair is one of those um, signals. And so, uh, you know, getting rid of my facial hair was a natural conclusion. I was not attached to it. I did not particularly like like it. Um, I felt disassociated from it. And it uh, caused people to be more likely to see me as a man um, or to read me that way or to misgender me or, or whatever. And so I wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> um, now, uh, facial hair removal is, uh, it's long and arduous and often very painful. And it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of determination. And, um, it takes a lot of willingness to suffer, honestly. I don't, I don't really know any other way to say it. Um, I began my facial hair uh, removal journey um, a little over a year ago. I think it's been... So it was like last August that I began, and I did a full year of um, laser, um, you know, like professional level... It was actually more like an it was like a more like an IPL type of machine. I don't know. It was new, um, but it was administered by a nurse at a clinic, and um, and I I'm a um, a member of Kaiser here in California, and so um, 
that, uh, you know, that's uh, for people who are part of Kaiser, uh, facial hair removal is a covered benefit for people who are trans. Um, so, um, yeah, so I started that. I went once per month uh, to get uh, a laser treatment. And I think it was very, very, very incrementally, uh, slowly uh, reducing the hair. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I noticed was that after my treatment for about a week, I would have like no hair growth. It like essentially stopped it. Um, but then after maybe a week or a week and a half or two weeks, it would kind of start to grow again. And so what I remember of that period was that I would have a treatment and then the hair would start to regrow again. And then I would have a lot of feelings of, of despair and frustration and confusion and self-doubt and, or not self-doubt, but doubt about the process. Is this working? Am I doing the right thing? Am I wasting my time? Um, and uh, so that was, it was, it was an emotional trip, honestly. Um, those first treatments, because it was not, uh, you know, kind of like the giant laser ray gun that you see um, people getting tattoo removal from, um, I didn't find it incredibly painful. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the worker would spread some, um, some pain reducing gel all over my face that was also cool. And then she would, you know, rub this wand thing all over my face and it blew cool air uh, and it flashed really fast and really bright. And I wore these little goggles and, you know, it took about five minutes and she would blast over my whole face and, um, and then instruct me to, um, you know, stay out of the sun for a couple of days, make sure to wear sunscreen, um, those kinds of things. And that, and that was really, that was really it. Um, so I did that for a full year. And I still had, you know, noticeable shadow. Like, I think that the hair had, um, it had thinned to somewhat, so it wasn't as thick. And also, you know, I had been on uh, hormone therapy for a year and a half at that point, too. Um, but it wasn't all gone, you know. And if I let it grow for three or four days, like, I, you, it was very, very noticeable stubble. And, you know, there's something that is, um, at least to me, that feels like really um, unfeminine about putting shaving cream all over your face and then shaving. You know, it's not, um, it's not an activity that led me to feel very much like a girl. So even having to continually shave is something that causes me uh, dysphoria and, and mental distress. Um, so um, I decided to switch over to electrolysis after a full year of laser. So I started going to electrolysis. And, you know, with laser, they do it once a month because your hair grows in, um, in cycles of about a month. Um, and so uh, there's kind of once the hair that's actively growing is treated, there's no point in treating it again. Um, and so they have you wait a month. 
um, and then you go back in. Well, with electrolysis, essentially, at least as I understand it, you could go in as often as you want. So I've been going in weekly and I've been going in for two hour sessions on the weekends. And I have a wonderful electrologist who is skilled and um, interesting and fun to talk to. Um, and she's been doing this work for a long time. She's a transgender woman herself. And um, it's uh, that part of it is really wonderful. Um, essentially, every other part of it is brutal. Um, it's among the most painful things that I've ever gone through. And, and I've had to routinely remind myself of why I'm doing this while it's happening because it's so ghastly. Um, so electrolysis essentially uh, can, uh, consists of um, you, you go in, they cleanse your face with um, witch hazel um, and, you know, kind of, I think, kind of to try to exfoliate a little bit. Um, and then with uh, the lady that does mine has like these, you know, dentist magnifying glass glasses on. And so she has um, a little plastic uh, probe that at the end of it has the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest of wires or needle-like thing. And so she pulls the skin kind of taut, gets really up and close, and that little probe needle thing goes into an individual hair follicle. You can feel it going in. There are times if she misses the follicle, that it feels like a fucking needle, uh, and it's really much more painful then. Um, but usually, um, you can, you know, kind of feel it go into the follicle, and then she pushes a button on the floor with her foot, and it zaps, and the machine makes this, um, uh, you know, beeping noise at the same time that you get a zap under your skin, and then she pulls the hair out with the tweezers. And uh, if the zapping was effective and appropriate, the hair comes right out. Um, if, on the other hand, uh, the zapping was, uh, you know, didn't totally get the hair, um, she'll pull on the hair with the tweezers. It will give resistance and it'll hurt. And then she'll put the probe back in that same hair and zap again and then pull it out. Um, and I find that those repeated zappings uh, are the most painful. You know, when she zaps four or five or six times on a single follicle, it's like I want to crawl out of my skin and crawl up the wall. Um, and so I've been going in for two-hour sessions, which is very, very long. Um, there were times in which, I think there were two or three times where uh, she gave me an extra hour, so I was actually there for three hours, um, and that, again, was just, it was like, you know, I, I white-knuckled it all the way through. It was incredibly painful, um, and uh, so, yeah, so, um, you know, in a two-hour period, she's able to do about the size of, like, uh, two quarters, you know, like uh, American quarters, or if you think of like an SD card for a camera, about two of those, you know, that size 
So, you know, one of those per hour, essentially. And so what I've started to do is I, you know, three days before, so I shave every, I shave completely on Wednesday. Um, and then I let the area that's going to be treated that weekend, I let it grow all the way until Saturday. I've been going Saturday afternoon. Um, I let it grow and let it grow. And usually it's like half as long as a grain of rice or something, you know, um, pretty, you know, my hair now grows fairly short, um, after being on hormone therapy for all this time. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of can make, um, the days before a little unpleasant. Like for example, um, I'm recording this episode on a Friday. I'm going to be going in tomorrow. And so I have very noticeable stubble. And so these are my like, you know, either hardcore makeup days or, um, they're just days where I kind of lay low and stay inside and I'm not going out much, or maybe I'll wear a mask if I do go out. Um, just cause I don't feel comfortable being seen this way. Um, so anyway, um, uh, she treats different areas. Um, what I've experienced is that, and what she has said, like when I first started to go in, she said, look, it, you know, it's probably going to take three years to get all this done, which when she said that I wanted to cry, <laughs> but now after, you know, I've done like 30 hours probably or 40 hours. I'm not really sure. And I kind of can see what she's talking about. You know, I've seen a huge, massive difference, um, much more rapid than with laser in a lot of ways, but also much more slow. Like it's instant. The hair is gone um, after it's treated. But then, you know, the next wave does grow back. Um so, um, you can do some stuff for, for pain reduction. Uh, there's lidocaine creams. Um, I've been currently using a cream called Emla, which is lidocaine prilocaine. There's another mixture that some people use that's lidocaine, prilocaine, and benzocaine all mixed together. Um, I haven't been able to access the benzocaine yet. Um, I usually take, I have an anti-anxiety medication that I have uh, for as-needed use, I usually take half of one of those um, prior to my appointment to try to kind of take the edge off. That makes a big difference. Um, you know, so a, a lot of the discomfort of it is the anticipation of the needle going in. And so I find with that medication, I'm like a little less on edge. Um, and then I'll take Tylenol or um, or ibuprofen. And it seems that if I do all of those things, uh, the pain is a little bit more manageable, especially for the first hour. Um, and especially beyond that, if I'm very, very well hydrated, so if I've been drinking uh, the couple of days before a lot of water, um, reducing caffeine intake, moisturizing, 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 speaking of moisturizing again, I really like um, the Clinique Auto Hydrator. So I really use that heavily, especially the couple of days before. Um, and all of those things in preparation also, you know, I find uh, assist in uh, the process of, um, you know, having it be a little bit uh, less awful. 
now with that being said it's still fucking painful like there's no way around it it's ghastly and even with all of those interventions uh there have been numerous times where during session during electrolysis i found myself just crying just crying like i like i'm holding still i'm holding as still as i possibly can i'm not moving and i just can't stop crying and um you know the first time that my electrologist noticed that my crying i just felt so so pathetic and sad and helpless and like vulnerable and i wanted to quit but i couldn't quit and it's like choosing the pain of electrolysis uh is less than the pain of dysphoria which says something about how awful and hard dysphoria is and I, m- many times i've gotten into my car after my appointment and just cried and cried and cried and cried cried about um having to go through this experience crying about how many more times i'm going to have to come back crying um with sadness because um i'm trans honestly like i didn't ask to be trans I- i'm I have accepted myself and i've accepted the fact that this is part of the experience of being trans um but it really has brought up a lot of feelings, you know? And um, so so some of my work has been to kind of, in some ways, embrace that. Um, some of my work has been to uh, advocate for myself and to really let the pain lead me to ask for help and get uh, better pain control. Um, so it's much improved than it was at the beginning. Um, um, but also, you know, there's a way in which I've started to look at it a bit like a rite of passage. You know, uh, it's funny, uh, you know, some trans girls talk sometimes about how they feel sad about not, um, having the experiences of like, you know, menstruation or pregnancy or childbirth. And and for a lot of cisgender women, that is kind of an, you know, an annoying or astonishing thing for people to say, because those experiences are often um, painful or difficult or unwanted or unpleasant, or, you know, maybe even some of the worst pain that they've ever gone through in their lives. And so it feels insulting for someone to say, well, I wish I could have that. Um, and And I get that. And I hope that they get the ways in which dysphoria and being trans uh, is sad in, in that some of the experiences that, uh, you know, uh, sort of are the essence of different gendered experiences are not available to trans people. And um, so, you know... Sometimes when I go into my electrolysis, I think of it as a rite of passage. You know, I may not uh, go through the experience of childbirth. I may not go through experience of pregnancy. I may not go through um, some of those painful experiences that cisgender women go through. Um, But I am going through this experience. And, you know, 
I don't need to suffer to legitimize my transness. Um, and there is a way in which my suffering as a trans person makes me feel uh, validated. Honestly, it makes me feel like I, I've earned it. I've earned it. That's the truth. Um, and of course, I'm not getting my facial hair removed in order to have this feeling, but certainly this feeling as like a, a natural consequence, it's validating. I am earning this because I want it and I need it, and I feel so much better about myself um, with uh, without that hair on my face. So there you go, friends. There's um, 29 minutes of me rambling about what it's been like to get my facial hair removed. Um, let me know what you think about this. What is, what's your experience with it? Um, or if you have any questions about it, reach out. All the best to you, friends. Again, my name is L, and this has been a transgender woman talking.